Grace and mercy and peace to you today, all of you here in person, all of you who are watching at a distance, from God our Father, from Jesus Christ our Savior too. We heard Peter make that great confession of faith, which really was putting two names on Jesus. Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are Son of the living God. You see, a name is not just letters on a page, it's not just a sound in the air. A name pulls together everything you know about that person. That's true of your name, it's true of my name, it's true of those names that Peter placed on Jesus. Messiah wraps together everything in the Old Testament that God had promised about an anointed one who was going to come and undo all the damage caused by sin. Son of the living God says this is not just some human being, this is, this is the Son of God himself. So now the question for you and me today is, how would you confess your faith? If Jesus asked you, who do you say I am, what kind of name would you put on your, on your God? Now, I suppose we could just go back to Matthew 16 and look at those names that Peter placed on Jesus. But today I'd like to take you back to the Old Testament reading to Exodus chapter 6 to see the name of God that is there. Let me put it up on the screen. In Hebrew, it has four letters. It's actually the most common word in the entire Old Testament if you take out other words like and and the and prepositions like to and in and on, things like that. For a point of reference, this, this name shows up 6,828 times in the Old Testament. There's another word for God. Just like in English, the word God can be false gods or true gods. There's a word for God like that in Hebrew. That word shows up 2,570 times, which is a lot, but the name on the screen shows up almost three times as much. More than any other word, even the word to speak, this is the word that is throughout the Old Testament. And no one really knows how it would be pronounced. If, if you'd go letter by letter, so Hebrew reads right to left, it's four letters long, that letter on the right side would be like a Y sound or a J sound. The second letter is an H, third letter is a V or W, and the last letter is the same one again, that's an H. Hebrew adds the vowels in later, all the letters on the page are consonants. So some people string those letters together and they say, maybe it would be Jehovah. So if you've ever heard that in a hymn or seen that, that people talk about Jehovah as the name of the God of the Bible, it's from this special Hebrew name for God, putting in how it might have sounded. But most people today would say that that's mixing together things that never would have been mixed in Hebrew and that Jehovah probably isn't how it would have sounded. That one on the top is what most people would say now it sounded like, Yahweh. Now, I don't know, is that brand new for you? Have you ever heard of Yahweh being a name for, a name for God? Um, the reason that no one really knows how it would have pronounced is that back in between the time of the Old Testament and the New Testament, people stopped saying the name. But there's still hints in the Bible as you look at it because a lot of things, names and and, and names and words in the Bible have it built in. So on the left there, if you've ever heard the word hallelujah, at the end you can see a, an abbreviation of the word Yahweh. Hallelujah means praise, so hallelujah means praise Yahweh. And it's all over in people's names. It's something like 157 names in the Hebrew Old Testament that have the name built into them. So Isaiah means Yahweh saves. The Yah is at the end. Elijah has Yahweh at the end. 
Joel, the prophet, has Yahweh at the beginning. That's why the letter J is there. And actually, the name Jesus is Isaiah flipped around. So Isaiah has Yahweh at the end. Jesus has Yahweh at the beginning. And even today, if your name happens to be John or Jonathan, part of the letters of Yahweh are built into, into your name too. But like I said, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, people stopped saying the name. Uh, people figure that it was because God's people back then said, we don't want to misuse the name of the Lord our God, the second commandment, and they thought that if they never said it, they couldn't misuse it, which is misguided because can you misuse God's name by not saying it? Yes. Could you actually keep God's name holy by saying it? Yes, you could. But the people back then said, we're going to stop saying this name out loud. And so whenever a verse on the page included it, they would say something different. The two options they had, sometimes, so let's say it said, and Yahweh said to Moses, they would read that verse as, and the name said to Moses, as a way of substituting something else so they would never say the name out loud. The other way of doing it was to say the Lord in place of, of Yahweh. So they'd say, and the Lord said to Moses, and that's the one that stuck. So that by the time of Jesus and the apostles, whenever the New Testament quotes from the Old Testament, it always puts the Greek word for Lord in there rather than sounding out the name for God. And what's amazing is the apostles then take the Lord and apply it to Jesus. Those Old Testament passages that talk about Yahweh, the, the, the apostles say those apply directly to Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for a confession of faith for the early church, saying Jesus is Lord was how you said you were a Christian. When Martin Luther translated the Bible into German, he capitalized more than one letter to show it was referring to God. And the King James Version started doing all four letters. So that now, if you'd look through your whole Old Testament and see capital L-O-R-D, it's not the word that means this is the master, this is the one in charge. What that is, is a way of trying to represent this special name for God that shows up all over the place in the Old Testament. And if you keep your eyes out for it, you'll see it all over the place. Some translations have tried putting Yahweh in everywhere. But if that name sounds strange to you this morning, that's the way most people say it. That, that just sounds strange to us. And so most Bibles today, including the ones that we use here at St. Paul, will use capital L-O-R-D to talk about this special name that God chose for himself. Uh, and I, I had my eyes out for it because I'm preaching on it this morning, but even if you go back to the psalm we sang this morning, every single verse had capital L-O-R-D as a name for God throughout. But let me clear all of that. Because I feel if I'd stop the sermon here, I've just given you a lot of Bible trivia. And I don't know when on the next time on Jeopardy will come up. How do you pronounce this name? And they'll put the Hebrew name up on the board. I don't, I don't know. Uh, how, how would you use that? The, the more important question is not the history of it or how it sounds. It's, what does that name mean? And if you'd ask me, well, what, is, what does that name mean? The best answer would be, open up your Bible and start reading what it says about Yahweh or the Lord all the way through. There's a reason why this is the most common word in the whole Bible. Because the Bible, in the end, is not a self-help book about us. Yeah, it, it addresses our sin and all the problems we face in this world. But what is the Bible? The Bible is Yahweh himself telling you about himself so that you get to know him better and put your faith in him. So I'd say read the whole Bible and get to know what God is like. 
If I'd try to pick just a couple passages, I'd go back to the book of Exodus. As the people were leaving Egypt under Moses, God told them what this name means. We had one of those passages read before. Let me read three of them to you, and I want you to listen. What is it that God wants you to have in mind whenever you hear the name, either Yahweh or capital L-O-R-D, the Lord? The first one is when Moses was at the burning bush. And God said, Moses, I'm sending you to, to bring my people out of Egypt. Moses asked, what is your name? Who should I say is sending me? Here's what God said. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Yahweh, the Lord, is side by side with the name I am. That God is unchanging. Every day the same. He was, he is, he always will be. He depends on no one else. And what you can't see, unless you read, read Hebrew, is that the letters for I am are based on the same word as the letters in this word. So in Hebrew you could say I am if you would say he is, this is the letters and how they'd look. Then when God picked a name for himself, he picked the letters that look like just saying he is the one who always, who always is. Constant and unchanging. And so for you and me today, if you're looking around the world and it just seems like everything is always shifting, what is it that you can hold on to? Who is it that's holding on to you who will never let you down? That's part of what God says he is as, as Yahweh. He is the great, the great I am. So if, if I build kind of a word cloud around again, I don't know that you could have one word that summarizes everything that God is, but if you pick words from that Exodus passage, uh, words like this, the I am, the one who's constant and never changes, that's what our God is like. And Jesus then, when, when he was talking to people, there, there was a time when he said, before Abraham was born, I am. And people point to other statements too. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. The book of Revelation talks about him this way too, that God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. This is what our God is like. That's passage number one. Later on in Exodus, Moses is talking to God and says, God, I would like to see your face. And God says, not even you, Moses. No one can see my face and live, but I'll pass by you and I'll shield you and I'll let you see my back. And as God walked by Moses, he let him catch a glimpse of him, but then he also said something as he walked by. And when Moses wrote about that, he didn't really tell us what he saw. What was more important was what he heard. Because God again took this name, Yahweh the Lord, and explained what it meant. Here's Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, again, Yahweh, Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. 
He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. There the focus is not so much on him being the I am who's unchanging. It's this is the God who deals with human sin. And there are two points that God makes about himself. Yahweh the Lord is the one who will punish sin. So don't get this strange idea in your head like a lot of people have today that God's going to say he doesn't care. He's just going to let it go. No, God says he will punish sin. But even more than that, this God, the Lord, is the one who has compassion on his people, whose love is overflowing toward us, who forgives wickedness and rebellion and sin. This is the God who said, I love the world so much, I will give my one and only son. Again, the New Testament says this is also Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord who came and laid down his life to pay for all of our sins. So if you're going to pick words, what does it mean that God is the Lord or God is Yahweh? You could add words from this passage like, he's the one who does punish sin, but he's also the one who forgives sin, who's full of love and grace. A definition I've heard that if you're going to try to boil down what does the name Yahweh mean, it's the God of free and faithful love. Doesn't charge us one bit, never changes one bit. His love is always there for us, the God who loves his people. That's passage number two. The third one is the one that you heard before from Exodus chapter six. Uh, and again, it's, it's another angle. It's not the same as these first two. So listen to this one. What does God want you to think of when you hear this name? Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Same name. I am Yahweh. I am capital L-O-R-D. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, capital L-O-R-D, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uphanded uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This one focuses more on Yahweh the Lord as the one who wants to have a personal relationship with his people. Some people have this idea that God is far off and distant or even not really someone who would ever relate to us as human beings, but that's not the way the God of the Bible describes himself. Uh, so many things in this world are, are impersonal. Even some of the mail I get, it'll have my name written on it in front like someone wrote it with a pen, but then I look at it and realize that's just a computer program that pulled my name off a mailing list and they have no idea who I am. But that's not what our God is like. In Exodus chapter 6, Yahweh the Lord says, this is what you should say to my people, I have heard your prayers while you have been in slavery in Egypt, I, I am listening to you. And he says, I'm the one who made a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. A covenant that says, here is what I will be for you as your God. This is the God who always keeps his promises. And the Lord says, I am about to redeem you, which means buy you back. They're in slavery in Egypt. God is going to redeem them, take them out of slavery, and make them his own. He says, you will be my people, 
and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And when the Bible talks that way about knowing the Lord, it's not talking about knowing how to put the letters on the page. It's not even talking about knowing how to pronounce it correctly. Knowing the Lord means putting your faith in him, having him as your savior. And God says to Moses, you tell the people that as you see my power and my love for you as I take you out of slavery, then you will know that I am the Lord, that you are mine and I am yours. And the Bible uses that same language then about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Even greater than getting out of slavery in Egypt is that Jesus Christ would redeem us from sin and death and hell. Again, taking people who are not his and redeeming them to himself, saying to us, you are mine, and saying to us, I am, I am yours. And that passage about knowing the Lord, there are other passages that make that promise to us too. The prophet Joel said, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter on Pentecost took that passage and applied it to Jesus. Those who call on this name, uh, whether it's capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, Yahweh, however it would have been pronounced, those who put their faith in this God will find salvation. So if I'd add some more to that slide, what else could you say on there? He's the one, he's the one who saves his people, who redeems them, who wants to have a relationship that we would know and put our trust in him. And so as I wrap this up today, if someone would say to you, what do you say about God? Who is he? And you had a chance, like Peter, to put a name on your God. What name would you give him? I don't think the first word I would say is Yahweh, because I don't think anybody would know what I'm talking about. Although I'm hoping that after the sermon, you would know what that, what that name means. It's all over the Bible, and what a beautiful depiction of who God is. But could you, even as someone who's never heard that name before, could you start to paint that picture and fill in some of those things from this, this beautiful cloud of ideas the whole Bible has about what our God is like? I'm sure you could. There's this one psalm called Psalm 23 that says, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the Lord is my, is my shepherd. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. There's a psalm we sang this morning. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Which is what the Bible says to those who aren't sure. Is this really to the true God? There are people who have a lot of doubts. The Bible says, come and taste him. Come and taste the Lord and you will find out just how good he is. Or maybe the passage that comes to mind is the blessing that's spoken at the close of most of our services. Today, when we sing it, it'll have the word God in it, but you maybe know it has the word Lord, capital L-O-R-D. The Lord bless you and keep you. Yahweh, the Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. And so no matter how you pronounce it, no matter how you spell it or write it, May this be the God to whom you belong, the God who is your own. And then as you call on the name of the Lord, you too would be saved. Amen.
Let's rise as we confess our faith together. We heard Peter's confession of faith. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Uh, calling on the name of capital L-O-R-D is another way the Bible talks about confessing our faith. Now, let's turn to the Apostles' Creed, which was written by 